What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. I'm producer Cameron Costa, and here's what we're talking about on today's episode. Bitcoin beware, a hack on the SEC's X account hours before its spot Bitcoin ETF decision is expected. I don't have to think... Factor authentication. No, you. I don't want it. Why? And Boeing is ramping up inspections. Former NTSB investigator Greg Thief on the safety checks and balances that should be in place. The scrutiny that the 737 has been under, the spotlight that uh, Boeing has been under, you would think that this would be an airplane that has zero issues. And unfortunately, they keep coming back. And the Houthis' largest missile attack yet in the Red Sea. Former NATO Supreme Allied Commander General James Stavridis on the risks ahead. Yes, this also increases the potential for a wider war up to the 25% range, I would say. That's dangerous. Plus, how now, Meta-Cow? Zuckerberg's raising beef in Hawaii, and AI refrigerators are on display in Las Vegas. It's not just the things to make the parts work to make it cold. It's like, now I got to have the IT guy to make sure that the internet stuff works, too. It's Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, and a chock-full squawk pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And uh, here we go. Some more news in the Boeing universe doesn't stop. Now, Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun saying the company acknowledging its mistake. This after a door plug on a 737 MAX 9 blew out uh, in the middle of an Alaska Airlines flight last week. We've been talking all about it. He didn't elaborate on what mistake caused that incident, which resulted in the grounding of that aircraft type by federal regulators. Now, according to remarks shared by Boeing, Calhoun telling employees the following. He said, quote, when I got the picture of the Alaska Airlines 737 MAX 9, all I could think about, I didn't know what happened to whoever was supposed to be in the seat next to that hole in the airplane. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. And so do you. This stuff matters. Every detail matters. Now, the good news, no one was seated next to that door plug, saving passengers from a possible tragedy. Both Alaska Airlines and United have said that they found loose hardware on that same area of uh, other MAX 9s that have been inspected. Meantime, federal regulators now saying that yesterday Boeing was revising its instructions on how airlines should inspect the MAX 9 planes, which would require FAA review before inspections can be completed. Just didn't sound like he knows a lot more than what yeah. <laughs> I wish he knew more than we, we knew. I, I, I'm glad that he uh, realizes that that was a problem if someone had been sitting there. Uh, it's weird that, you know, that, that the, whatever the, they had been doing heretofore would not have detected the possibility of that happening. So now 
you know, around the edges. You change the inspection protocol right. so that you would pick something like that up. But well, you'd pay a lot more attention to the pressurization lights. Maybe, yeah, yeah, but I, I think you pay even more attention to the bolts. Yeah. And, and I don't know like, if you have torque. I don't, you know, I don't know enough uh, about it. But you know, you can tell from torque how tight how tight things are. Tighten those things. I mean, but don't tighten them until you strip them. You know, that's the. Yes. That's why you need one of those torque wrenches. Uh, every day, uh, we have such disturbing. Uh, that was disturbing. This is disturbing. Do we have anything? Uh, the college coaches are getting big bonuses. Is that? Is we that a feel-good story? We have the lacrosse team that's showing up here later today, <laughs> so we'll take a look at them. Really? Are they any good? They, they are. They, were just, they just came out ranked 15 in the rankings that came out. Yeah? They're visiting today because they have a lot of teammates who are very interested in Wall Street. They're going to Bank of America. They're taking a tour all around. This isn't you. It isn't, you didn't set this up. I did. Oh, you did well, set they, it. They reached out to me, but they're coming and they're, they're doing a tour all over the place. Uh, who else went there? Didn't Milton Friedman go? Are you their most famous? Uh... No, Tony Soprano. Well, Calista Flockhart. No. Milton Friedman. She's got another show out right now. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We've taught there for a while. Oh, yeah? yeah. RBG. U.S. Navy officials uh, tell CNBC that Houthi militias have launched their biggest attack to date on merchant vessels in the Red Sea. U.S. and coalition forces shot down 21 drones and missiles launched into the area, occupied by approximately 50 50 merchant ships. In a statement, U.S. Central Command says no damage or injuries were reported. This marks the 26th attack by the rebel group on commercial vehicle, uh, vessels in the region since November 19th. And the latest incident comes a day after uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warned that, in his words, there will be consequences if the Houthis continue to assault ships. Major shipping companies have diverted vessels from the Red Sea to a much longer uh, route around uh, southern Africa. And it's rare that I actually know someone that this is a book, but my wife said, I cannot believe this is going to be a month later because something's going <laughs> I go, you're kidding me. She goes, nope. Used to come through wherever yeah. it's not going through, and it's going to go all the way around the tip. Capical, to get the, And it matters. Capital. She goes, things that I had that I thought were going to be ready at this point are now you're talking like four weeks later five weeks later it's a long and it's more expensive yeah and it's more expensive yeah. and it's more expensive so that plays into the inflation concerns that we have as well so it, it is stuff we're paying attention to pretty closely we're also watching the price of bitcoin after the sec said that a post on the sec x account that said bitcoin's etf had been approved was the result of a hacked account SEC Chair Gary Gensler posted an update saying the SEC Twitter account was compromised and an unauthorized tweet was posted. The SEC has not approved the listing and trading of spot Bitcoin exchange traded products. The official at Safety Account from X later posted that it completed a preliminary investigation that found the compromise was not because of a breach of X's systems. It says the unauthorized user gained access by obtaining control over a phone number associated with the SEC's account. It also said that the account did not have two-factor authentication enabled. The market expects the regulator to greenlight spot Bitcoin ETFs possibly as soon as today, which is why um, this was a pretty believable post when it and came And it's out. very, it's odd because, of course, Gary Gensler has gone onto Twitter yesterday saying we have not approved it. And then I imagine it's very possible we'll see a tweet later today or tomorrow saying we have yeah, approved, approved it. it. And so, but this wasn't right. 
the act, you don't think this is the one that's already been written up by someone at the SEC that, that, that I mean, you know how when oh, an like early, you know how an early thing. obit gets released? Right. If, if that's the case, the SEC is not being forthright about what right. happened because they've certainly posted, yeah. they've certainly put and, this up as something and, that is. And also, if, if X is saying it's an unauthorized person yeah. specifically, right. I would imagine it means that somebody else my, is up my thing, What it does say, though, is what's the move really going to be? Right. Meaning, it, it, Bitcoin jumped up to $48,000 uh, on this, but then very quickly gave it back We've talked a lot afterwards. about buying the rumor, selling the news, and I think there's been a lot of people buying over the last several months now, yeah. expecting this to happen, and then the question is, what is the value proposition long, longer yeah. term? I don't have to, to think. Factor authentication. No, do you? Um, I don't want it. Why? Because that's not because I want plausible deniability. I don't some of the stuff I tweet, I don't want anyone proving that was me, actually. Do you? Or if you were me, if you were me, would you? I think that you're you're inviting a problem. Right. Oh, we're on TV every day inviting problems, aren't we? If people wanna and and, you know, which of our tens of dozens of viewers that we have at six AM are gonna do something (laughs) bad? will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod, we're diving deeper into the many issues at Boeing with former investigator at the National Transportation Safety Board, Greg Feith. You can pay me now or pay me later because I'd rather spend the money now on safety than have to pay for an accident. And unfortunately, Boeing has learned some very hard lessons with Lion Air and Ethiopia. Why are these problems still popping up? The checks, nuts, and bolts of airline safety right after this. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Now for the latest uh, on the investigation into Alaska Airlines. Uh, it was flight 1282, that in your brain, and the subsequent grounding uh, of some Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes. Let's bring in former NTSB uh, ing- investigator Greg Feith and Thank God, Greg, it's not going to be a number that's etched into uh, our brains. Like some, I, there are some from the past that we do remember. We do remember those numbers. And it, it could have been. And I don't understand why we get to the point where we change protocol on something that seems like it was kind of obvious. Maybe it's just hindsight in 2020, uh, but it, it seems like you could have checked this stuff out better. Joe, that's one of the big issues with uh, Boeing recently. With all of their quality control issues, here is another black eye against the 737 MAX aircraft. And given the fact that 
the lessons that we learned from the MCAS events, of course, the scrutiny that the 737 has been under, the spotlight that uh, Boeing has been under, you would think that this would be an airplane that has zero issues. And unfortunately, they keep coming back with the rudder event the a uh, couple of months ago, uh, some elevator rivet issues uh, and engine cowling issues. You would think that uh, the quality control, they would have reset, Boeing would have reset, you know, their safety protocols, if you will, and, and really enhanced their quality control checks. I wonder how many different uh, parts of the plane that you could group into uh, things that needed to be checked. Because the MCAS, I, I, th I characterize that as like almost a software or a procedural uh, a checklist that you do. How many of, of things like this are we talking about? I mean, you talk about the fuselage and the integrity of that. You mentioned the rudders. So there's bolts on the elevators. There must, are there still cables? Remember when we had a problem with a, a, a piece went into the cable? Do they, are, they don't have those anymore, do they? Well, some of the older, even though this is a variant, there are cables still in the airplane. Some are totally electronic. Um, but th the fact is, is that with all of the moving parts on an aircraft, yes, they're magnificent machines and, and the workmanship and, and the craftsmanship and engineering that goes into them are fantastic. These are the little things. These are the human things where you have humans interacting with a machine and of course, any kind of human interaction, you always are setting yourself up for these types of things. That is these quality control issues. Somebody has to turn that bolt, torque that bolt, make sure that there's a cotter pin um, behind that nut or in that nut. So when you look at all of these things, yeah, these small things can cause catastrophic events. And in this case, we're fortunate that this airplane was only at 16,000 feet because we would have had a different scenario had this airplane been at 35,000 feet. And when, when the worst case scenario does play out, a lot of times we look back and we, we find similar things. So in this case, it didn't, but there will be a next time. And, and we know that. I'm, I'm wondering if you were running Boeing, if you were Dave Calhoun, how would you, how do you go down the line of command to make sure that, that people are doing things like that? And I guess you'd have to, there'd be man hours spent or worker hours spent. Geez, I mean, I'm so PC now, I can't say man hours, but there would be worker hours spent and that adds to, that hurts margins. The, the more inspecting and safety, uh, the more time you spend on that and you have your employees spending on that, the less money you make. So the, the, the whole profit uh, incentive comes into play. Yeah, well, you, you can pay me now or pay me later because I'd rather spend the money now on safety than have to pay for an accident. And un unfortunately, Boeing has learned some very hard lessons with Lion Air and Ethiopia. So the fact is, if I was running the company, I would put together a team, an advisory team, consisting of ex-Boeing employees, people that have been down on the floor, whether they're supervisors or actually technicians who build the aircraft. You need to have people on the ground who are listening to try and understand what are the issues, what are the problems that are going on on the manufacturing floor. That information has to filter up to the C-suite and they have to act on it. Given the fact that now the headquarters is well displaced from where they actually manufacture the aircraft, who knows where the breaks in command are and that chain of communication. That's the huge issue. And they've lost a lot of talent 
um, from Boeing, whether it's downsizing or uh, programs have, have terminated. Look, the 747 program is over. So where is all that talent, all that experience? Did they reassign those folks or do those people get uh, riffed out? That is a reduction in workforce. But I would put an advisory team together um, to have communication, direct line communication all the way to the top. Look, this is this is a problem that's been ongoing. This is not a one off and they should have learned lessons by now. And then, of course, where are the shareholders? Why are they not really pushing top management to, uh, to really understand what's going on? We're yelling at the board for being, you know, sort of, I don't know, in, in you know, the, we, we hear about boards all the time that sometimes they just, whatever the CEO says, they just nod. And I, I, I don't know. I, he was on the board before that. I, I'm trying to figure out what, what you'd need to do to inspect every bolt. On, it, on a, and then I'm thinking, you'd like to do it on 30-year-old. You'd like to focus on the, the planes that have been in service for a long If you've got to inspect every bolt on a three-month-old plane, I mean, how long does, does that take? And then you know what you do? You, you inspect the bolts on the most recent thing that happened. You're, okay, let's look at these bolts on the, on the, uh, the plug for the fuselage. And the next thing is going to be somewhere else. So you've got to do the whole plane. Well, I mean, that is part of the build process. They have come up with a process for manufacturing that aircraft. And yes, every bolt is inspected. Now, some are what's called RII, which is a required um, inspection item. That requires additional inspections. Others, once they're in place, once they're installed, it's really install and forget. And that, unfortunately, is what has happened with this door plug because of the construction and, of course, the assembly procedure for these bolts. If they are installed correctly, you won't have this issue. And that's why I think through the inspection, uh -huh. okay. once the once the bolts are inspected, it's going to be, yes, the, the FAA is probably going to require a repetitive inspection just to confirm everything's been done. But there, the entire airplane is inspected, Joe. Yeah, you needed to do this. That's why the quality control is so paramount on the construction, the initial construction of the plane, which is what's so troubling because those three months, it's only been in service for, for three months. So, But again, you got a new airplane just like a new car. Once it right. gets into service, things are going to happen during during in, in service. Craig, you use. don't want a lemon. You ever had a lemon? I've had a lemon and it's amazing. Yeah, I've had, it's like I've you have a lemon, a lemon that, that like you can't even believe it. And then you get a different one and I don't know. The, the, but that's the, the question. Was the this assembly a line had a, a bad day or yeah, something. That's the question. Yeah. It, was this a lemon? Was this a one? It's the 737, it? a lemon after the MCAS, the rudders, the this. You, you mentioned about six different things. And it's not a lemon. It's the, yeah. the greatest plane in the air, is it? It is. And, and, of course, you know, other manufacturers do have their own inherent issues as well. So, but again, this has been, unfortunately, back-to-back -back issues with, now this door plug, of course, the engine cowling issue and the, and the rudder, they're too close together. And the question is, with the scrutiny that Boeing is under because of this particular airplane, why are they still having these quality control issues? And, and a lot of it, if you remember back years ago when Boeing went on strike and they had management building airplanes, we had a lot of problems with their airplanes. So, again, it has to be a shutdown to an extent of regrouping, but they need to have an, a very good line of communication of what's going on on the right, floor okay. and the no. talent that's there.
and we shouldn't forget 50,000 takeoffs and landings a day just in this country. It's unbelievably great how, how everything works across the board. I have no problem getting on an airplane tomorrow. So. Right. Okay, Greg. Thank you. Coming up on Squawk Pod, a big escalation in the Red Sea, the biggest assault yet from Houthi rebels. What it all means from the retired four-star naval officer who led NATO as its supreme allied commander, and who, during that time, put together the team that fought the Somali pirates in the 2010s. It's Admiral James Stavridis. Some folks will remember the movie with Tom Hanks, Captain Phillips. You know, those were Somali pirates basically in flip-flops with rusty AK-47s and speedboats. This is not your daddy's pirates. These are state-sponsored by Iran, so they have access to all the equipment, the training, the organization. And then we're going to end on a lighter note, literally. Exactly. Talking about the cow farts. What Mark Zuckerberg is cooking up in Hawaii right after this. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. One of our last big stories of today's episode, the escalation in the Red Sea. Here's Becky Quick. Welcome back, everybody. The U.S. Navy telling CNBC that Houthi militants have launched their biggest attack yet on merchant vessels in the Red Sea. For more on this, we want to bring in retired U.S. Navy Admiral James Tavridis, former NATO Supreme Allied Commander, who is now Carlyle Group's Global Affairs Vice Chair and an NBC News Chief International Analyst. And Admiral, thank you for being with us this morning. This does sound like things have stepped up pretty significantly. You're talking about more than 20 missiles and drones that were launched and taken out uh, by the U.S. Navy. How how would you uh, characterize what's happened here? Oh, this is a complex attack. It is indeed a step up, Becky, over what you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, It was an attack on not only the U.S. Navy, but also our coalition partners. A British destroyer was operating with us, Her Majesty's ship Diamond. And above all, it's an attack on commercial shipping. I mean, there were dozens of commercial ships in the vicinity of this complex attack. And I really underline that word complex. These are very capable warfighters. This is a takedown of uh, a ship called the Galaxy, which is being held hostage today in a Red Sea port, Hodida. Uh, This is very sophisticated activity. It's going to require, frankly, more than just defensive responses going forward. And Admiral, we've talked about this in the past. You were there for the pirates that were coming from Somalia and were able to shut that down. But this is different. These are more weaponized. These are more trained. And you believe very clearly backed by Iran, um, these attacks that are coming. You think a much bigger step is going to have to take take place. And that, that includes attacks on land. Unfortunately so. I think some folks will remember the the movie with Tom Hanks, Captain Phillips. You know, those were Somali pirates 
basically in flip-flops with rusty AK-47, some speedboats. This is not your, your daddy's pirates. Uh, these are state-sponsored by Iran, so they have access to all the equipment, the training, the organization. They've been at war with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the UAE uh, for over 10 years. They control half of Yemen, particularly that Red Sea coastline. So simply putting a few destroyers out there and fighter jets, which are all good and capable, and we should be doing that, I just don't think, at least thus far, the Houthi pirates and their masters in Tehran are getting the message. So this is going to be a, a week of decision, I think, for the White House as to whether to go ashore. Ultimately, Becky, to close, we, we had to go ashore to go after the pirate camps. I think we're going to have to do something along those lines now. Uh, we're almost out of time, Admiral, but the, the risk of the war in the Middle East expanding if we do that. Yeah, it brings us to not just Houthis, but Hamas and Hezbollah, what those three terrorist organizations have in common, besides beginning with the letter H, is they're all funded, sponsored, and directed by Iran. So yes, this also increases the potential for a wider war up to the 25% range, I would say. That's dangerous. Wow. Uh, Admiral, thank you very much for your time this morning. You bet. There really is no shortage of news this week, and it's only Wednesday. Aside from the brewing geopolitical conflict in the Red Sea and the massive anticipation for those spot Bitcoin ETFs and the X-hack at the SEC, the world's biggest players in tech have descended upon Las Vegas. Here's Becky again. The Consumer Electronics Show is back in Las Vegas. 130,000 attendees checking out the latest from 4,000 companies. Our Julia Borston joins us right now with a look at the big trends taking over the convention. Hi, Julia. Good morning to you, Becky. That's right. I'm here in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show. And this year, it's all about artificial intelligence with generative AI assistance and tools incorporated into every sort of gadget. Samsung showcasing an AI companion robot called Bali. It interacts with other smart devices in the house. It can project pictures and videos on your walls, or it can check on your pets by sending pictures of them to you when you're out of the house. A Samsung's new AI refrigerator tells you what's inside, the expiration dates, and then suggests rep recipes based on the ingredients you already have, and it lets you order ingredients that you don't have in the fridge. This year, there are more AI-enabled cars and tractors than ever before at CES, with Intel just last night announcing a new AI chip customized for vehicles as the company battles with NVIDIA and AMD to power the Internet of Things. Mercedes is here with an in AI in-car operating system that's designed, they say, to be empathetic and to respond to the mood of the driver with the likes of directions and restaurant recommendations. Meanwhile, L'Oreal became the first company to have its uh, to have a beauty C CEO keynote here at CES demonstrating its AI-powered beauty advisor um, uh, as well as a virtual makeup try-on. Now, not all the AI here was entirely ready for prime time. Meta was here showcasing its Ray-Ban glasses, but the new AI tools that Zuckerberg announced for those glasses were not quite ready to demo just yet. Guys, back over to you. Those glasses look a heck of a lot better than the other glasses that I've seen tried on before, you know, the huge box ones. Those looked really stylish. 
Uh, Julia, the, the thing I think I thought the most as I was listening to everything you were talking about, all the cool stuff out there, is how many things are broken in my house right now that require multiple <laughs> visits from people to come fix them. I mean, the AI stuff is great. The electronic <laughs> stuff is great. But just make it work. Well, that's the question, though, is that if your refrigerator is connected to the Internet and has software, then maybe you could update the software remotely. Or maybe I need an IT need department to come, to come and fix, fix it. Yeah, I know. But I, it's not just the, the things to make the parts work to make it cold. It's like now i got to have the IT guy to make sure that the Internet stuff works. To make, yeah, because ultimately everything in your house is going to be a computer. Um, Samsung also had a washing machine that is AI-powered to use less power to dry and wash your clothes. All of this seemed very cool. Um, and I did kind of enjoy the refrigerator demo. I was like, that would be useful. Sort of. Julia, thank you. We look forward to lots more fun stuff from out there. Where's the beef? It's apparently with Mark Zuckerberg in Hawaii. The Facebook founder posting on Instagram uh, that he has now started raising cattle at his ranch on Kauai. Uh, with the goal of creating some of the highest quality meat in the world. He said the cows will be fed macadamia meal uh, and drink beer. Huh. Or foster, or beer. Uh, also produced at the ranch, all of his projects. Uh, Zuckerberg called this one the most delicious. Uh, I, I immediately think about the farts. And uh, a guy like <laughs> him would be a very, uh, you know, anti- You're talking about the cow farts, not the people farts who eat it. No, I was talking about the pit. No. Yeah, exactly. Talking about the cow farts and that he's so woke that I'm surprised Mark would, is not spending more money with that delicious chemically made beef that no one eats anymore. Do they? I don't know. Well, it, was it going in every fast food place? They were signing deals. Everything, the sausage, we're going to be the fake sausage on the, is anyone eating, touch that stuff? And Impossible only Bill Gates. And he kind of looks like he eats that stuff. The Impossible Burgers and Beyond. Yeah. yeah. Beyond. What was the other one? Beyond Me. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for tuning in. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Weekday mornings on CNBC starting at 6 Eastern and going all the way until 9. You can tune into that live TV broadcast on CNBC, or you can catch the highlights right here on Squawk Pod every weekday. Just make sure you follow us where you're listening now and turn on those notifications and downloads. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.